Hi, you're listening to Go See a Show, New York City's independent theater podcast. Welcome back to Retro Productions, who are back on the boards with a new retro show from playwright Gina Femia, We Are a Masterpiece. I sat down with Gina, retro-producing artistic director Heather E. Cunningham, as well as actors Chad Anthony Miller and Ben Schnickel after a recent performance. Take a listen. Um, anyway, let's get to the podcast. You guys got to go drink. It's Friday night. Uh, <laughs> welcome back to the podcast. We'll start with returning guest. Uh, it's not even, it's, we're past a hat trick at this point. Welcome back to... Heather Cunningham. And what'd you do on the show? I'm the producing artistic director of Retro Productions, and I play Joan. And what is the show? I'll make you say the title. We Are a Masterpiece by Gina Femia. Oh, how convenient that we also have with us... Gina Femia. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for coming uh, to see. Uh, well, is this, open, this isn't opening night, right? No. But thank you for joining us for the, the yeah. podcast. I really appreciate you being here. As well as two of the stars of the cast, gentlemen. Chad Anthony Miller. I play Ryan. And welcome back to... Ben, ben Schnickel. I play John. So um, who wants to be the... Uh, give us the elevator pitch. What's the... How do you describe the show? And I love this. It's always the best... Uh, <laughs> Listeners, you know, because the, the audio medium don't get this wonderful thing that happens at every interview where everyone points at someone else. <laughs> They're like, who's going to answer? So I, I'm gonna, I am going to put it on you, playwrights, uh, because there were a couple fingers in your direction. <laughs> they always think that the playwright can speak about the play the best, but I feel like we're the worst to speak about it. But <laughs> the I will least give, inclined. Yes, I will give an elevator pitch. We are a masterpiece. Uh, it takes place at the dawn of the AIDS crisis in Kalamazoo, and it follows... The relate uh, Joan, who is a nurse, um, during that time as she builds relationships with gay men who are being abandoned by their uh, blood family and building a family constructed, like a patchwork family of their own, of her own rather. I think that's a beautiful way to describe the piece. Um, is this inspired by true events in any way? Uh, I mean, well, other than obviously the very true event of the AIDS crisis, but the character of Joan, does she come from anywhere? Or is this, um, how, where did Joan come from specifically? There were a lot of caretakers during the AIDS crisis. Um, I feel like their stories get kind of, uh, they fall to the wayside um, when we talk about it. So that I really, it was important for me to put in a caretaker character and tell the story through her perspective. Um, just through doing research, the people who took care of the men who were abandoned by families, um, there were quite a few folks who would do that, but I don't think that we we really get to hear that narrative in, in regular, in the, I don't know, I can't finish the sentence. No, yeah. absolutely, I, I remember just hearing a story, I. In my, I got this conflated with the story of the woman who was in Provincetown, Massachusetts, um, who, uh, had retired from nursing, but then was taking care of a, a just a, basically a steady stream of men who found out this woman was here. I, she just popped up recently, like on NPR. This is where I get all my information. But <laughs> it, it's uh, when I seeing the story, it really reminded me of that idea of like you said. There's just so many people who uh, were integral to trying to alleviate any sort of the pain that was going on with this major, major crisis, mm -hmm. uh, who sadly were in the sad shadows. So thank you for bringing that out. And how is, sorry? Oh, I was gonna say, one of the things that I really love about this piece is it's so female-centric. And I think so many of the plays that we grew up with, I mean, I'm showing my age, were told from a very male point of view. And so this production in particular, not only do we have a female playwright, but we have a female artistic director and we had a female director. 
And for me, that was just so important to have that lens to tell this story. Which is interesting when it feels like the show is Joan's story mm -hmm. and she's telling us John's story in some mm -hmm. ways. Um, and not just John's story, but all these people also in, in John's orbit. Mm -hmm. um, I, I do find that interesting. It's like multiple lenses mm -hmm. of lenses that we traditionally, sadly, have not gotten in the American theater. Right, right, right. right. Mm -hmm. And I think what Gina has done so beautifully, too, is to frame it. You first get Ryan's framework of it to set the <clears throat> stage, as it were. And then Joan does come on to tell these stories. And then we ended on the note of like, we all have to remember, which I think is a wonderful ecumenical message for the play. And We're going to come I, back to that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's important that, that Joan tells John's stories because she's kind of the voice of this lost generation. Mm -hmm. and, you know, John is an artist, and he, he struggles through the, throughout the play and you know, finding, if you will, his, his voice. And um, I, I think as, as much as Joan and these caretakers really gave a lot to these men by taking them in, I think they, they gave something back too through through their art and their, their passion and I think mm -hmm. you know certainly in the 80s and 90s a whole generation of, of artists were lost to this and you know you'll never hear their voices so I think it's important that Joan is there to carry it on and, and bring that story forward. Speaking of bringing the story forward this is a retro jam and I know that y'all um, do a lot of shows from the past like mm -hmm. uh, uh, crate digging as it were <laughs> uh, to bring back plays that have maybe been a little bit forgotten, but there, this is not the first world premiere it's not. for Retro. It's our third. But how did it, it this is, I guess, your 80s play, right? Uh, well, this is the, the third 80s play, actually, oh, that wow, we've really? done. Yeah, Good Boys and True was 80s. That's and true. we did the yes. Baltimore Waltz many years ago, ah, okay. which is was uh, not only our first 80s play, but also our first AIDS play, as it turned out. So how did the piece get to, to Retro? Um, yeah. um, well, if I may, um, Gina and I met because uh, Crystal Skillman actually asked me to come in and do some readings for a class that Gina was in, and that's where we first met, and I was absolutely taken with her writing. But Gina writes aggressively contemporary plays. <laughs> that's my catchphrase for my plays. Yeah, yeah. and um, you know, so even though I, I absolutely adored her, her writing, I could not have ever produced any of her shows because they're just not retro. Um, and we, um, we went out for a beer one day, and I was like, uh, so, I mean, I don't know if you'd ever want to write a retro play, but if you do, please give me first crack at it. And, um, you know, that was like the seed that I planted, and then eventually there was an idea that Gina had, and then we had another conversation, and, and then we spent the last um, year developing the work and together. That, that kind of helps to bring it back to what you were talking about earlier. So... Uh, this is aggressively uh, contemporary in, in many ways. Now, while the subject matter is uh, dealing with the AIDS crisis, you do have this modern uh, viewpoint, and uh, we, do, we do come to 2017, I think it says mm -hmm, in the script, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, a couple of times. I was really struck with uh, by a lot of lines in there, and I, and I can only imagine that they were intentional to remind us of the cyclical nature of history and the cyclical nature of um, prejudice against people. Um, can you talk, like, am I totally just projecting this? Because I do this often, because, you know, here I am. Like I said, <laughs> NPR junkie, I'm highly political, <laughs> and I'm, I'm tr I want, like, why is this play now? And I think this play fits 
perfectly right now in April of 2018. Can you just talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. Um, first, I'm really glad that I somehow snuck in a 2017. Um, I was able to do that even for retro production. Um, I'm just proud of that. And I mean, while I was writing this play, I constantly asked myself, why this play now? What do I have to tell? What can I tell about the AIDS crisis in a modern time? Like, why is this important? And I feel I can like- I tell why she's the kind of playwright you want to work with, because mm -hmm. that's the kind of playwright <laughs> all of us should want to work with. Why do this play now? It's a great question. Yeah, and I mean, I really struggled with it, and I finally landed on the fact that there is a cyclical nature of how how this current, how our current um, society is still really there there's a there's a dialogue of hatred that is being perpetuated throughout the country right now and we really do run the risk of falling into that those same um, hatred dialogues and that really made the AIDS crisis the disaster that it was in my opinion and that's what I, I really logged on to and that's what I, I just wanted to make sure that I was able to um, say like you know this happened and it can happen again and we're re really running the risk of it happening right now and so the way that in my opinion to combat it is through love and through being courageous and making those choices to really make you know it might go against what is being said in the world but it, it doesn't make it any less, that's the right thing. There's some beautiful opinion. stuff in there about, you know, but I'm this, but I'm that, but you're also human. Right. Uh, and it, that really struck me, um, yeah. I was gonna say too, uh, one of the risks that we run, in addition to forgetting, is to being inured by it all. And so what Gina has been able to do is to really look at that desensitization and to make sure that that doesn't happen by telling it through a female lens, by having it bookended by both 2017 and being able to look back, by having art being a way to heal people because art at least is something that can be a bit more universal if the understanding of sexuality is not. Um, I think those are the things that really, I mean, I grew up in West Texas and I have to say, Heather is Joan to me in many ways because at a time when I was going through a death in the family when I was coming back to New York a few years ago, Heather slash Joan to, to be um, <laughs> used art as a way to heal me. Mm. So I think that there, there's, there's something that Gina and Heather must have been in tap with for this kind of caregiver because this is truly a momentous piece of work for you both. It's true. I love that stuff. Love that. <laughs> and I, and I, that kind of leads me to good. where, I, this is, you know, Gussie's show would totally turn into a political podcast if I didn't <laughs> remind myself, like, you're here to talk about independent <clears throat> theater. So let's talk a little bit more about the theater component of this, especially I'd, I'd love to talk to like more of the actor perspective. Yeah. Um, new work, incredibly, uh, uh, I hate to use this word because it feels overused, but like deep and, and challenging uh, emotional work uh, for you both. Um, talk? I, I mean, I not, I, I'll, I'll take it and then you can't glom up because, right. all right. I just, so, I'm always shocked and in, 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 in awe of actors who can do this stuff. It's why when people are like, are you an actor? You work in the theater, are you an actor? I say, no, no I'm a director. <laughs> Real actors can do what you guys did tonight. I, so. I think uh, for me, it, it came with age because it, I was in Retro's Butter and Eggman and I played Cecil, which was this sort of a fop of a character. And I traditionally would have probably auditioned for the role of Tom for this show. But I think something about having, because that's just my go-to, like the, the goofy, witty um, person. 
So this, this role is very challenging for me, A, because I lived through it. I remember Reagan not being able to talk about it. I remember seeing Longtime Companion in a very dark theater that no one was in because it was playing in West Texas. And so for me, it was very important both as a human and as an actor trying to challenge themselves to tell this work. So that's, that's what drove me to it because I knew that I, I wanted to tell this story and I needed to tell the story for me. And I'm, I'm thankfully young enough that I was <laughs> <laughs> not, I mean, I was just, uh, I was still young in the 80s, and, and so the AIDS crisis did not affect me as directly as it could have had I been born a decade earlier. But I think it's just a testament to Gina's script that, I mean, the, the words are so powerful themselves that <laughs> I feel I don't have to bring much acting to it. I mean, you, you just say these words, and, and some of them break your heart. You know, I, I have this monologue in, in the show where I confront my mother, who who has abandoned my character, you know, wants nothing to do with me. And, and I just reach out to her and tell her that, you know, even though she wants nothing to do with me, I still hold her with me every right. day. And, and even though I never went through this crisis as a child, just th that, that, has, that doesn't even relate necessarily to the AIDS crisis. Right. It's just the, the fact, I mean, that I personally in my real life have a mother that loves me so much. And the thought of not having that, having a mother who turns away, I, it just, it, it breaks my heart, and so saying Gina's words every night, thinking of that, just can't help but the emotions just flow on out. I agree. I think that the, the more specific something is sometimes, the more it becomes universal. Mm -hmm. So even though we're talking about the gay community, we're also really talking about pain and loss, and that's something that everybody can relate to. And anybody that's been through it, like I've had to bury both my mother and my best friend, and so when the character of Joan hands me that box of ashes, that is a very visceral thing. To, to you know live with because I, I have gone through that this is a pretty broad question and I'll cut it if everyone's like that's a terrible question <laughs> uh, I like that but preamble what would you what would you like people to leave with I think if as in closing um, without you know of course spoiling the show uh, um, which I don't think we can do, but I, I just, I would, I would love to get, what are, you, what are you hoping people will get um, seeing this piece? I would say that there's always hope and mm -hmm. that hope, hope is always the way through tragedy and, and despair. And yes, this is a very sad story and yes, you will cry and we cry, but, but there are beautiful things that happen when people in the face of adversity step up to the plate and do what's best for their fellow human beings. Yeah, disparate people can come together to heal. I think that's, you know, no matter your stripe or your tribe, you can come together and, and heal together. And you'd be amazed what you're capable of that mm. you don't know you're capable of. I really just want people to be able to walk away and feel like when they're faced with the decision where everybody is telling them that they're wrong, and they know that they want to choose a, a way that will l show love, that they'll make that choice instead of choosing the hatred because that might, the easier choice might not be the right choice. And so that's what I'm hoping people walk away with. And I'm gonna answer my own question and say like, I love that you're helping us heal through a not only uh, moving and an emotional piece of art, but one that's also, we didn't mention this, very funny. Uh, I, I laughed a whole lot. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, yeah, it, it's, a, it's really great that we can be in the dark room together and 
and have this shared experience. Yeah, I've told Gina that before. I think one of the things too that really resonates with her piece is finding the levity through the suffering. Mm -hmm. Because you have to be able to at some point laugh at it and yourself to at least reframe what you're dealing with. Like you just can't live in the grave. You have to, you have to find a way to rise above it. It's part of what makes us whole as humans. I mean, yes, we, we feel deeply and we get very sad, but we laugh, we do. You know, you have to, you have to find your joy even in the darkest moments. We all do it. It's, it, it's, it is, it's, it's what makes you get through it. So when you're up to your neck and shit, the only thing left to do is sing. (laughs) (laughs) Said the great Sam Beckett. Uh, Thank you all so much for doing this and for your lovely work. Uh, The show is uh, we are a masterpiece. We are at the 14th Street Y and you run through April 21st. Tickets and more information can be found at retroproductions.org. Also 14streetY.org. Forward slash retro. Forward slash retro for purchasing of tickets, but you can also find information (laughs) on the WISE website. Excellent. Thank you all so much for doing this. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter. (laughs) Absolutely. Social media, the heck out of retro. Uh, We are, uh, it's a Friday night, and y'all should go and celebrate. (laughs) Yes, brilliant. Pick me up now. (laughs) Thank you all again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Heather, Gina, Chad, and Ben, for hanging out after the show to chat. You can catch We Are a Masterpiece at the 14th Street Y, 144 East 14th Street in Manhattan through April 21st, 2018. Head to retroproductions.org for a link to tickets and more information. Thanks to you for listening into the podcast. If you dig it, please like it on Facebook, facebook.com slash go see a show. Follow at go see a show on Twitter and rate and or comment on the show's Apple Podcasts page. Until next time, go see a show. Awesome. Go drink. That's so good. Thank you so much. Of course. Thank you.